Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It's Monday on the Chuck Oliver Show. And among other huge headlines, we're talking Cruden. We have a signing day coming up in two days. We also have a signing day coming up in like a year in a couple of days. And Ryan Day is addressing... All manner of the Buckeyes program, whether it's the portal for right here, right now, let's beat Michigan and get a national championship ourselves, or for the class of 25, which is where uh, plenty of teams have put this year's class for the most part to bed and are kind of shifting their focus uh, forward. So I want to welcome on right now a guy who knows about all of it from Rivals, Yahoo, et cetera, national recruiting analyst, Greg Smith. Greg, welcome to the program. How was your Monday? Uh, hey, thanks for having me on. The Monday, so far, so good. There haven't been any, like, crazy surprises. It doesn't feel like National Signing Day week because, uh, like you were saying, so much happens outside of this. Uh, but it, it's a good time. It, it's, it's a fun time around here. Uh, I mentioned the show, like, literally as an aside this morning. I was like, all right, folks, I promise you we will talk one class of 24, five-star at least, Terry Bussey. Um, he's a five-star out of Texas who was a Texas A&M commit that LSU has been true loving. It is really hard to find a bunch of five stars who aren't 100% like Ryan Williams. I'm going Alabama. Um, any idea about LSU and their chance to flip Terry Bussey? Is that going to wind up being a Mike Elko in Texas A&M early dub? Man, I'm I'm fascinated by this one and then a lot because of the fact that you just don't at this point see that many five stars on the board. Um, he might be the only one. I think I think Dominic McKinley that is a verbal to look to LSU, uh, but Bussy I. I think at this point, I'm feeling like he's going to stick with Texas A&M and Mike Elko is going to get him a dub uh, early on. But would it surprise me if he ends up flipping uh, to either LSU or Georgia? I mean, because Georgia is still in the picture as well. Uh, but I think that if he was going to flip, I think it's more likely to be LSU at this point. Uh, but no, I think that's going to be a Mike Elko victory and a huge one at that uh, because their class has kind of been plummeting since he took over. They lost a couple of big time players already. Uh, doing well in the portal, uh, which he's going to have to do because he's going to have to keep that class together and get some immediate help. Um, but, yeah, I think he ends up sticking Bussy does with A&M. So I'm looking at the class of 24. Most of them are signed as well. But the class of 24, and I'm looking at Illinois. I'm looking at Ohio. I'm looking at the state of Michigan. Um, y'all got interlopers. You got carpetbaggers. You got Clemson and Georgia and Miami. Um, tell me about these. We, we now have a borderless recruiting nation. Um, yes. Tell me what you're seeing uh, as far as some of the top recruits in the Midwest uh, really exploring a lot of these other programs on a seemingly more normal basis. It's a fascinating development. I think it's one of the more underrated things that haven't been talked about over the last few years just because of the fact that the transfer portal and NIL have sucked up so much oxygen in college football recruiting talk, you know. And so I think people have kind of missed, and I'm glad you brought it up, that so many of these kids in the Midwest, especially the highly rated kids, are either flat out leaving the Midwest or really just going to a couple of schools in the Midwest. Notre Dame um, and, and Ohio State seem to usually have the best in 
inside track to those kids, and now Michigan kind of has snuck in there. Um, but for this year, you're seeing a lot of those guys leave the region. I have written a couple of times about I think we're going to look up in a couple of years and say how the heck did Miami pull out two five-star defensive mm-hmm. linemen uh, out of Chicago alone um, in this recruiting cycle of Justin Scott and Marquis Lightfoot. Um, you see Williams and Wary, who uh, the five-star defensive lineman out of Missouri, um, sticking with Missouri, so not a Big Ten school. It's kind of ish in the region. It counts. Um, that one is interesting as well. Ryan Wingo ended up going down to Texas. So it, it's going to be a thing, too, where it, if this continues over the next couple of years and we don't see some of those Midwest teams in the college football hunt, this will be a reason why. So you mentioned the big schools, Ohio State, Michigan, where a lot of the league guys normally go. What do you expect to happen with Sharon Moore now as head coach there? Could they recruit even better at Michigan? No, I think it's going to go the other way, actually. <laughs> I think it's going to – and I, I took some shots from Michigan fans uh, late last week because I, I have questioned whether or not Michigan made a, a long-term hire or a short-term hire. And what I mean by that is I think that they maybe saw what happened at Alabama uh, where when Nick Saban retired and all of those guys left the program, um, even though they got a fantastic head coach in Kalen DeBoer, um, they had a lot of guys leave. And so what Michigan did was is they kept the in-state – the in-house guy um, that was going to for sure keep the roster together but then immediately what happens they lose a couple of key staff members they immediately lose a board or what was going to be a borderline five-star guy in Gatlin Bear the speedy wide receiver out of Ohio was going to go to Michigan before Harbaugh left he is now off to Oregon there'll be other dominoes from this as well I think they're going to take a step back and then you mentioned I give the thing we'll continue to talk about is Ohio State and what they're doing it's going to be fascinating to see how things go for Sharon Moore out there in Ann Arbor yeah, Michigan normally in the Harbaugh and 20 was weird, COVID year, whatever. But they live in like the 10 to 12 national range. And for whatever right. we care, they're about low 20s-ish right now. So I'm just wondering which way that will go myself. Um, well, let's talk about then Ohio State, as you said. And they're, I was looking at LSU stuff. I would mentioned the Terry Bussey thing. And they're all about the 25 class anyway now. Um, talk about Ryan yeah, Day. He got, the, he got the number one ranked kid in the state of Alabama at least committed a year in advance. Um, talk about cornerback Naeem Offord. Yeah, Offord is a fantastic player. They've got he's a, he's a really talented defensive back can do it all. Um, they've got the, the number one defensive back and player in Alabama. They've also got the number one uh, player and defensive back from Texas, Devin Sanchez, committed to Ohio State a year in advance too. Um, they'll pair well together because they're both do it all defensive backs. Um, but Offord was one that was a little bit of surprise. Like I didn't see that coming right now, just because he has all the options in the world and could have afforded to wait to wait a little little bit uh, to make that decision but right now it feels like Ohio State is just on a roll whether it comes to their recruiting like traditional recruiting with those guys in the 25 class um, they picked up a big time uh, offensive lineman Carter Lowe uh, from in-state in Ohio as well here recently an offensive line has kind of been their bugaboo for the last couple of years they've been killing it in the transfer portal as well I feel like their collective has really stepped up Uh, Ryan they must have lit a fire under them behind the scenes because they've been doing a lot of work getting those guys 
splash um, with with transfers as well. They're going to be a fun team to watch this coming season. And that's you hit right on what I wanted to ask you about uh, with Ryan Day because you know I'm sitting here from afar, and when I saw the transfer start with Quinjon Judkins and the quarterback and all this happened, I was like, mm-hmm. boy, they got motivated. Uh, watch, watching you know, a team beats you, your big rival, you don't like it. They win the national championship. You don't have the skill set to deal with that. Tell me how much you believe this really is a folks come to Jesus meeting. We got to get right again. How much do you think this is a particular motivation in CBUS? Yeah, I think it's a huge part of it. It had to have happened, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall because, you know, we went through that whole thing where, you know, there was all the, the talk that was getting louder about Ryan Day's job security because even though, you know, he's only really losing to Michigan and then college football playoff games, right? Like, he doesn't yep. lose outside of that. And so even with that, because those two things are so important, there was chatter about his job security. Well, I think what he did, instead of getting mad about that, he went behind the scenes and said, hey, listen, you got to understand how we're going to compete like Ohio State was one of those teams that was kind of they weren't falling behind because they were still recruiting at a high level when it came to the national rankings but you could start to see a little bit of a slippage when it came to like the depth of their class and then especially in the transfer portal they just weren't the same players that like say down there like Ole Miss is right or like Alabama had been um, Georgia definitely is as well right they were not on that level you flip to this year and he had to have gone to them and said listen we have got to compete if we want to take it to the next to the actual championship level of winning a national championship and not just ripping off big 10 championships even though they lost the last couple to, to michigan then we've got to do this and i think that that's exactly what happened and i don't know if there's any other explanation for how they got that together because all of a sudden all of those kids are now going to ohio state and it's not like it should be a surprise they're going to ohio state but if all things are equal then you might go to the place with the money but it looks like ohio state is now getting that together yeah, five-star corners who are one Ain't a whole lot of those. Um, so no, no. good for the Buckeyes. Greg, appreciate your time, friend. Thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. All right. Uh, again, Greg Smith, National Recruiting Analyst. Rivals in Yahoo. I have talked about this dynamic before, and it's a truth, that there are always exceptions. Um, I, my dad went to Michigan State or my family's from California. I'm going home. Until, I'll say 10, 12 years ago, I don't know, 15 years ago. 10, 12 or 15 years ago-ish. If there was an SEC caliber player at a high school in the state of Alabama, they are going to Auburn. If they weren't going to Auburn, they were going to Bama. That was it. If they didn't go to Alabama... That means they were going to Auburn. Other states, if it was a kid at that level, other states wouldn't really come into Alabama very often to recruit a kid. Not if he was capable of going to an SEC program. Well, he was going to one of those. That is not the case, and it has not been for a minute. And I know that all the recruiting traditions. Somebody mentioned Dillard High School. You know where Dillard is? Go look up Dillard in Florida. Used to be a pipeline, I mean, running right to Auburn, it seemed. Valdosta High School, Wintersville, USA. It seemed, this kid named Dexter Daniels, it made me think sideways, but um, it seemed that there was like the 75 express lane to Athens. There have always been big-time high schools that, like, we get those kids. All of that stuff. There have been areas. I've talked about this. Mobile? Mobile was an Auburn town. I've talked about Tampa. Tampa was open. Nobody could own Tampa. 
But there were towns, there were cities that, oh, no, 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 Tennessee gets those players. And not, almost none of that has anything to do with what a kid deciding today announces. We had Ty Richardson on, a good friend of mine who does, uh, he's morning drive at ESPN Arkansas, and I'd asked him about the impact of Bobby Petrino. Well, Bobby Petrino's been gone a decade. And I promise you that the high school senior in uh, 1990 or even 2000 might have had a lot better idea about what the local head coach, the in-state giant head coach was doing earlier in life or even five years ago or even, you know, last season. Versus now, totally different deal, totally different deal. And it, again, that's just, it is technology and available, the number of available distractions. So that's what you got. And so kids aren't, think about how much just general cultural literacy, much less sports cultural literacy, much even in your own state. So how much impact should Bobby Petrino have? If you're an offensive player and you have, an opportunity, especially a skill player or a quarterback, and you have an opportunity to play for Petrino, you're in pretty good coaching, folks. You're going to have NFL style. We're going to be very aggressive and get you down the field, rip it across the grass and get in the end zone sort of football. That's what you're going to come here and be part of. All right, well, I like all that. Bobby Petrino, if they ask their older brother or their parents, they'll get good perspective. But as far as the kid having, oh, man, I watched that guy, and I know him, and I want to play for him. They have to be told things about Bobby Petrino, and then they may play for him. It's supposed to make an impact. All of this, is it doesn't. It, you hired a huge name. You're bringing him into your program. It means less and less. Than, even if he was already there, Vince Young. What's Vince Young mean to a high school junior in the state of Texas now? Like, if there's any scenario where it may really supposed to carry some weight in that state, and he did what? Yeah, he won a national championship for Texas. And he probably could have won a Heisman. And as great as he was that night against USC, I think in ways he was even better the previous Rose Bowl against Michigan. Vince Young? Vince Young's that old guy who keeps coming around my high school. That's what the five-star may think about Vince Young. So, Houston being an LSU town? No. Mobile being an Auburn town? No. The state of Alabama being reserved for just those two programs? Ryan Day, folks, this is called an attention getter. I'm sure everybody, like I said, five-star corners who are six foot one? Not a lot of them. So, he could be playing in Alaska and Ryan Day's hot for him. You make a special project when you believe there's an opportunity. And if you can look at a program like Alabama that has so much baked in success in recruiting, and you think this is an opportunity to dismantle that, Alabama, folks, in that state, I'm telling you, you declare, kind of have to. Even if you don't necessarily like sports or college football, well, you go along with it. Ah, roll tide, uh, War Eagle. And this is a totally different environment now. Not only because Auburn kind of became above average, but I'm telling you what Ryan Day followed through on with this recruit, 
Dabo wants to do it again. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for years. Steve Sarkeesian is like, hmm. Sean Moore is like, yeah, I need one of those. One of those what? One of those elite kids from Alabama to show Auburn and Alabama. Both of y'all now, it's a new day. I need one of those statements. So I promise he wanted the player and specifically the player at that position who's that tall and runs that fast and long arms and all this other stuff. He wanted the kid. Absolutely, he wanted the kid. He wanted to send a message too. That's an attention getter. It really is. Got our attention. There are a lot of other commitments. I asked Greg about him. All right, we will break and continue rolling on to Monday next. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show the chuck oliver show and it's monday in february like monday february 5th and we are two days from signing day and spring starts right after it for some folks there have been years where signing day is obviously wednesday duke started spring practice on friday army might have started that friday yeah so that that'll be happening and all and so we look all the way down till seven months from now and it's week one and we have games How's it going to play out? What is going to be the way too early top 25? We don't need top 25 anymore. With top 25, well, I want a comprehensive look at the season and who did well. So give me your way too early top 25. You know what we get a way too early of now? Way too early 12-team playoff field. Why would I screw around giving you a top 25 when it's almost half as insightful about the main point? Give me an overview of the season. and Give me 12 teams and it's the 12 to count in order. So a way too early look ahead to next year's playoff. If you see any of those lists, you're going to see two names on those. I mean, I will say 95% or higher, maybe 100%. Any peek ahead to the result of the regular season and championship Saturday, and here are our 12 playoff teams. Any prediction of that list of 12 teams that doesn't include both Alabama and Ole Miss? Sus. Isn't that what the kids say? Sus. Very sus. It is not just the quality of the program and the fact that Ole Miss is bringing in even more kids through the portal. Like in case of Alabama, quality of the program, they'll roll right along and DeBoer's a good coach too. Uh, And then Ole Miss, look at Lane, and he's added even more. It's not just that. There are a couple of differences to look at with these two teams specifically with Ole Miss kind of in general but especially since Lane has been there and at Alabama mm, since Tua left since Mack left actually if you look at the reasons that these teams may be playoff not only playoff seeds but advance and maybe even win a national championship Two main differences for these programs, I believe, this coming year. One is Ole Miss, it's not just look at the season they're coming off of, look what they have coming back, and he got players. He has more coming through the portal. It's on the lines of scrimmage. 
it's a different approach, man. It's a grimy, physical, we're going to win the fourth quarter. And when I say fourth quarter with most teams, that's, you know, it's deeper into the game and it's trying to set that whole stage. You know what it is more with Lane than the fourth quarter? It's the fourth down. We want to win the fourth down. And so even more big-time players coming in through the portal, but specifically on the lines of scrimmage. So when you see folks making their list and Ole Miss is on it, it's for every reason that we know. But drill down on that portal thing and look at the positions where he's added talent. So it's just a big, big deal there. Alabama, this is what I'm excited about, especially if Ryan – did we see – did Ryan Grubb take a job in the league yet? He's not. He's still at Alabama. As of Friday, Ryan Grubb's uh, Seattle Seahawks were playing footsie with him. So – Alabama is not going to be as strong as their strongest Nick Saban teams or even I, – I, it's hard to predict, folks. I just – they're not going to be that. Well, what's that? What they've always been in, you know, the past decade and a half. They're not going to be that. Not since 2008, at least. They can be different and be almost that. And remember what Kalen DeBoer and that offense, they throw – for piles and piles and piles and piles of yards and first downs and touchdowns and points and all day Saturday and even in bad weather, inside, outside, grass, turf, off a of bye week, injuries, conference game, doesn't matter. You look across the breadth of a season, all of those scenarios and all of those games, look at the end of the year, you know what Kalen Bohr gets? He gets a lot of production out of his passing game. I am excited to see what that equals in Tuscaloosa because the past couple of seasons with all that receiving talent, it just hadn't equaled a whole lot. Not nearly enough. That Bryce Young at quarterback, he's the first overall draft pick. And we were still looking at the receivers going, all right, well, there's two of them. Who's next? And then after those, they left, you're like, uh, we need somebody to emerge. So it's been a weird Alabama passing game, even with fourth and 31. And I don't know, you lose a first-round pick, and then you lose the first overall pick. You lose Jalen, a transfer, and a second-round pick. You lose Tua, he was the sixth overall pick. Yeah, it's going to change. It may change back to the good way for Alabama this year as far as the passing game. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Rolling through a Monday on Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states, 60 sticks. Thank y'all for the blessing. Started the beginning of the 2014 season, so we're pressing 10 years this year. Guys got that lap by sight, man. I mean, going back a couple decades when it comes to dealing out college football commentary, information, opinions, forecasting the future. Um, everywhere from tax thing, college football news, to CSS with me back in the day. Uh, still with Sirius XM, everything CBS Sports does. And now he's a digital entrepreneur doing his own thing. And he's going to tell you how you can consume college football smothered and covered. My good friend, Barrett Slee. Barrett, welcome aboard. How you doing, man? I'm good, Chuck. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I told everybody you can still get Barrett. You can consume Barrett uh, at SiriusXM. Where else can we consume Barrett? Well, basically everywhere in the digital space. College football smothered and covered is live on YouTube and Rumble. You can also get the audio versions on Apple, Spotify, uh amazon wherever you get your podcast too so five days a week uh looking forward to it and uh look we're building rebuilding an audience because sec smothered and covered back in uh 2017 2018 was ultra successful so trying to uh bring it national after uh what seven year hiatus well uh so like i said the man knows what it is when it comes to college football he deals it out every single day so go get barrett salee in the digital space and welcome him into your daily existence um before you came on, I was talking about, I don't know what to call it, the maturation of Lane Kiffin, or maybe it's just time to get serious because he sees a real op, like some blood in the water op to get in the playoffs and maybe create some noise. It's not just, hey, look at Ole Miss. They loaded up on the portal again. They got four big giant offensive linemen and Walter Nolan and an edge rusher from the Florida Gators. It's linemen that I'm looking at. Like, is this grown-up lane now? Yeah, this is grown-up lane. You know, I, well, grown-up lane with still some of that youngster edge, right? Like, I think he's always going to have that mindset of, of picking and prodding, uh, you know, a team here and there uh, in a very laid-back, casual way, which is interesting now because he wasn't that laid-back, casual guy back in the day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he recognizes, like you said, go all in this year. There's a, there's a chance to – make the college football playoff. And, and I said this on the show on Sunday, think about how big that would be for Ole Miss to make the inaugural 12-team playoff. That's really what led Ohio State to its ultimate success, right? Not just winning it, but just making it. The visibility is huge. So um, he's embracing the transfer portal. He's still doing a great job from a high school recruiting perspective. And, yeah, this is a mature lane. This is a lane that – you know, he, he smells blood in the water. Those land sharks smell blood in the water. They understand how important this is. And, and beefing up that roster right now could pay huge dividends, mm-hmm. not just short term, but also long term. Yeah, and I've already been looking. I've got a vision in my mind. Saturday night, the 21st of December, Saturday night before Christmas, you're hosting a playoff game in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, you talk about the hospitality opportunities for everyone in town at a place that already does it right. That'd be one of the biggest parties in history. Uh, let's continue yeah. talking with Barrett Salee again, college football smothered and covered. Get him on Twitter. Get him on YouTube. Get him everywhere. Consume Barrett Salee. Um, all right, well, let's go out a little further west, still in the conference then. Um, and I was talking earlier about Bobby Petrino in Arkansas. Um, beyond relationship, fan base, come home, just win games or whatever. How effective do you think he's going to be there? I just can't buy it. 
I mean, I just can't buy it. Uh, you know, from a passing game perspective, um, he just he doesn't have the weapons around him to to be successful. And I think you're looking at it now in a situation. Yeah, the the Arkansas schedule actually is is helpful. So short term, maybe it works out. But a personality wise, I just can't see him relating to the modern college athlete. Um, I can't see him relating to. The old school, college mm-hmm. athlete, or the middle school, or the whatever, you name it. He doesn't relate to, to athletes very well, even pro athletes. Um, and so I, I don't see him being able to handle from an off-the-field perspective, you know, what these guys are going to talk about, what these guys are going to complain about. And then on the field, is there anything redeeming about or anything unique about what he does now? And, and the answer is no. So he's going to have to out-athlete you, and, and he doesn't have those athletes at Arkansas. So I just I don't see it working on a lot of levels. Uh, and that, I didn't really understand it to begin with. Um, it, there are safer routes. There would have been safer routes yeah. for Sam Pittman to take. And from a, from, a, from a culture standpoint, especially at Arkansas, I, I just don't buy it. Yeah, and I agree with you on a lot of what you just said there, which would then result in potentially a head coaching change. I am suspicious that Petrino took the job, think, just like he did at Texas A&M. Maybe the head coach will get fired and I'll get the head job. So that's just a, what could be in the hopper for Arkansas. And as, it didn't happen at Texas A&M, which tells you an awful lot about the opinion of him, not just within that program, but probably nationally. Absolutely. He got swept out with everybody else who didn't keep their job. Um, all right, let's go uh, down to Baton Rouge then because – very easy to say, well, how do you get better without Jaden Daniels? You'll be a way, way different team with Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, tell me how you do get better, though, because three losses with Jaden Daniels, we want more. We're Baton Rouge. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Garrett, Garrett Nussmeyer, when he came in this year, it didn't seem to fit right, but that is an identity thing, right? They were so accustomed to Jaden Daniels. Um, that's not something that is um, – you know, it necessarily translates to from year to year because they will obviously build the offense around Garrett Nussmeyer, which is completely different than Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. The the defense to me, they just have to be more aggressive up front. Um, they were they were putting their cornerbacks on islands way too much, but also not bringing pressure at the same time. So they they just have to crank it up a notch and be more creative because even when they were in obvious blitzing situations, they they didn't get home. And they, they're just poorly coached on the back end. So, to me, basically an entire revamp. But I think the biggest thing is get pressure up front. Move, move Harold Perkins back to the outside. Right. I, I know he was inside, and that was like, yeah, he's going to be great. No, he's an outside guy. Just put him outside, let him do, do work, and they'll be fine. So, um, you know, just be adequate. I think Garrett Nussmeyer and that offense with those weapons, when it's designed for him, can still be um, dynamic. And if that's the case, just, just be average. Maybe even a little bit below average. Just be, but don't be horrendous. And if that's the case, then I think they can contend for a playoff spot. What awaits the Texas A&M fan base? Like I'm paying my money, I made my donation, I bought the tickets, I made the trip, and I'm sitting in the stands for six or seven home games. Like, am I seeing a better product this year? You're seeing a not Jimbo Fisher product, and I think that's enough. Well. And, and I, I, it, they, the fan base really tried hard to stay in Jimbo's corner. But even after last season, he had lost it. And, you know, once the Miami game happened, it was over. You know, it was over. And so I think the fan base now just wants to see consistency, wants to see um, a little bit more creativity offensively. And if they see that, then they're going to be happy. I think nobody expects, and I think nobody in that fan base expects, 
them to contend for an SEC title this year. It's just Elko's still new at this. There's there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. He's going to get a little bit of a mulligan, but just a little bit more um, creativity offensively. I think they'll be fine. But again, anything beyond that, if the expectation is anything beyond that, it's, it's too much, too quick. They beat Mississippi State by 41, and he got fired the next morning. I mean, when you say that it was done after Miami, yeah, you're 100% right. This is like Rick. Like, he went 4-0 and in November, and he got fired anyway at Georgia. Um, it doesn't have to be the week before, the night before, or anything else. Um, that's exactly what happened. A totally new day out there at Texas A&M. Wrapping up, Barrett Salee. Again, get him on Twitter. At Barrett Salee, consume college football, smothered and covered all over the digital space. And then, of course, he's at Sirius XM. Uh, I want to bounce over to the formal, uh, former East. Um, tell me what is required of Mark Stoops and where that program is, because I think it's a little less than what it was. And what it was was a second or third place program in that division. Where are they now? First of all, it's very weird to say former East and former West. That is still hard to wrap my arms around. It's like Romania Uh, and Czechoslovakia and all. It's like the former Republic. It's frustrating because I fall into that trap a lot. Um, No, I mean, Kentucky mid-tier bowl game. I think that should be the expectation every year because Stoops is a good coach. I think we all know that, you know, he's going to get consistency. If he can find players that, um, you know, if if he has a a veteran unit up front offensively, then they're going to, they're going to pound you. They're going to do a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but I mean, in in a 16 team sec with Texas and Oklahoma, I just, I I can't see them being contenders. So mid tier bowl game, you know, I, I hate to say regress back to just be a distraction before basketball season. But be a little bit more than a distraction. You know, at least be competitive late in October. Maybe have an outside shot at getting to the SEC championship game. If that's the case, then I think that's probably the ceiling. And finally, um, because at least Kentucky, I mean, you're there right on the border of Ohio, et cetera. Uh, talk South Carolina and Shane Beamer and their direction going forward. They really like their quarterback. They do. Um, and they like some of the skill pieces around him, but that to me is a perfect example of a program that is stomping out fires from one season, one week, one game, et cetera, to the next. Yeah, and I love Shane. Yeah. I, I just the the lack of ability to beef up and be 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 too deep on the defensive front is going to kill them. And, and off the offensive line, we know the offensive line was a problem. I mean, Spencer Rattler, poor Spencer Rattler, just did everything he possibly could and just couldn't get it done. Um, but defensively, I, I just don't like the defensive front. I, I think that in, in this new age, you have to be able to have eight or nine guys up front, and they don't even have two or three. And that's a huge, huge problem. And it's not something that can be fixed, like even one off season in the portal. That's that's just not realistic because South Carolina is just not that much of a draw to, to to these guys. So it's again sort of like Kentucky. What's the expectation? Because it shouldn't be contend for the SEC championship game. It should be mid tier bowl game at best, and anything above that just take it as a bonus. No, you're right about the D line and the numbers there. I mean, you can have Javon Kenlaw, but you need like two or three more. You can have Tonka, you need two or three more. Um, that's a that's a hard listen for me. If I'm a, a fan, if I'm part of a fan base, Kentucky, South Carolina, everybody else, and the goal is to win more than we lose and go to either Jacksonville, Charlotte, Nashville instead of Shreveport. 
I think that would be a, a very tough fan existence. You're saying that's reality. That is reality. I mean, that that's just you're adding two better teams. Yeah. You're adding two better teams right now. And I think the one thing I guess you can root for if you're those teams is four SEC teams make the college football playoff because then your bowl opportunities go up, right? Um, maybe you get to Tampa or you, you get to Orlando or whatever. But, I mean, if, if there's not four SEC teams in the playoff, I mean, I, I can't see how the expectation would be Tampa or Orlando or play that. I mean, I think the expectation probably would be Charlotte or Nashville or Houston for the Texas Bowl. That's just the way things are going to be. Yep, just not the day after Christmas. We staying in Bossier City. Um, all right, Barrett. <laughs> they do. I've been to it. Uh, Barrett, appreciate your time, friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chuck. Barrett's the league. College football, some other than covered. Yeah, Bossier City. I did a uh, an arena league game there. The arena. If you didn't love arena league football, like you thought it was, that's kind of a weird game. I did the Arena Cup. That was for Arena League 2, the minor league feeder system into the Arena League. I did that championship game in Bossier City Battle Wings. Decent arena. Pretty good game that night. Decent arena. Good casino. I had fun. Um, But you don't want to be there as the result of your, I mean, it's right now. For Michigan players, my goodness, 24 hours. I don't know if that's true, but maybe Wednesday after the national championship, whoever it is, it's February now, and you're going to work the next nine months, and the result is going to be we win more games than we lose, and we go to Charlotte or Jacksonville instead of Shreveport. It's got to be more than that. It really does. So many opportunities out there. Go make yours. All right, we break. We wrap up next. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. I think you're always tweaking and adjusting and looking back at how we can be better, and uh, that's in every department, weight room, coaching, nutrition, training room, equipment, you name it. You're always looking at how we can improve, and it it was the same way two years ago when we won eight games, and it was the same way last season uh, as well. Shane Beamer, big fan of the man, played a little bit of the resume. It's like, I'm just telling you, we do it all the times, even when we have a season that everybody's happy with. And even after last season, when you're not as happy. Shane Beamer, and specifically, he's talking about his new special teams coordinator. Joe D, back in the Southeastern Conference, except Joe D. Camillus has never been in the Southeastern Conference. I don't think so. But he's married to former South Carolina All-American. Dan Reeves was a quarterback there, I want to say, and was maybe in the 66 draft. If I get some of that wrong, I apologize. But South Carolina legend. And Joe D being married to his daughter, and so Shane Beamer, who knows something about special... So it all works. They went 5-7 and last year, which was not winning eight games and beating Clemson and whatever. They went 5-7. and So when you have... now comment on Clemson there too because it was 16 to 7 and it was not a very great performance by either squad it was there so a little bit of a letdown last year and he says whether it's high cotton 
like two years ago or more challenging. We have the same process, and I believe him. And if you're not doing that, then you've got the wrong coach. I mean, that's for sure. You always look to upgrade anything. Bill Parcells had a philosophy. Uh, he called it, I think, the 53-man philosophy. It would adjust based with the roster. But he says, if you can make a trade, your 53rd player for the 53rd player on the Bears or the Jets or the Chargers, he says, make the tr- and get better. He says, if you can get better at the last guy on the roster, he's like, make the trade. Your third team tight end. He said, if you can upgrade, make the trade. The NFL draft, that's about upgrading. Uh, they're going to party like it's 1969. All right, let's get educated about what is going to get much uh, something. When I say let's be educated about a topic that is going to get a lot of uh, something, uh, attention, commentary, punchlines, etc. Iowa cornerback Cooper DeGene, he's almost certainly going to be a first-round pick this April. Iowa cornerback Cooper DeGene, he's white. There has not been a white corner selected in the NFL draft first round since 1969, Roger Worley. And he was a corner out of Missouri. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, had a heck of a career. It was a different league, different requirements, didn't throw the ball as much. There weren't physical, like, I don't know, A.J. Brown, did he really exist in 1969? D.K. Metcalf, did they, uh, Julio Jones? Some, but not really. Cooper DeJane is going to be the first white cornerback, and that's going to happen. Now, just by, if you ever watch Jeopardy, this ever comes up. I only learned this because when I used to do, I was talking about the Arena League. Used to do Arena League games. Doug Plank was a guy who played at safety at Ohio State. Started three Rose Bowls for him. Was a draft pick of the Bears. Led the team in tackles as a rookie. Played in the NFL for about seven, eight years. Then played in the USFL for a season. He was part of the last, he told me, he's like, hey, do you know the last all honky starting secondary? I was like, what? I was like, that's uh, honky. He's like, that's not a word we use today. I think it's a, kind of a funny word, but then I can say that. Um, but I was like, all right, Mr. 70s. Uh, no, he's like the last starting secondary in the National Football League, all white guys, 1981. And he was part of it. Gary Fensick and Doug Plank at safety for the Bears. They were called the hitmen. They, they worked that mafia angle quite a bit with the bears uh and then you had here's the interesting thing you had a guy patchmit you had lenny walterscheid at corner do you know who the nickelback was jeff fisher and so that's 1981 now that's a bit much but like i said may come up on jeopardy reason this is like i said this is going to be conversation you can always find it out there but following the weekend in mobile did you see the reports i mentioned this earlier Two receivers that got rave reviews. Uh, Barkus Rosemey, Jack Saint caught the touchdown pass. My gosh, Spence Rattler. He got the MVP. He threw four passes. Spence Rattler threw four passes in Senior Bowl. He got the MVP. All right. The two receivers that got the most attention, despite the Georgia, uh, the other Georgia receiver catching the touchdown, Lab McConkey, Luke McCaffrey, both tremendous in what is generally described as an average week for receivers in mobile so ahead of the draft ahead of the next two and a half months ahead of all the whatever i said the something the attention the conversation the punchlines, the point and laugh the inaccuracy because i've heard said that uh there's never been a, a white corner taken in the first round of the nfl draft 
the common draft, I think the first one was 69. They used to have the AFL draft and then the NFL draft. 1969 was common draft. And so Roger Worley was there. And so it has happened before. So at least be educated on it. Um, but there's going to be a lot of commentary, and it used to not be a very unusual thing. At the same time, maybe you're covering Fred Belitnikoff. If you didn't see, Rashad Mendenhall, the former, and this was also in the news because the Pro Bowl was this, the Pro Bowl games were this past weekend. Do you see Rashad Mendenhall, former Illinois running back, first-round pick of the Staters, played in the league for a while. He's a decent enough running back. He tweeted out in December, and I'll leave out the the – other parts that just went totally offensive and just not very intelligent but he said how about instead of doing away with the pro bowl we play an all-white team versus an all-black team and what i'm saying about the cornerbacks there that was tj watts from the steelers he retweeted he's like no he's like there's no white guys gonna cover tyreek hill he's like what are we gonna do a corner and so that started a conversation as well as all the just again the stuff that rashad mendenhall included um but it's going to be something that comes up, and so now you know the facts and and the one time that it has happened. Again, Roger Worley for the Cardinals back when they were in St. Louis, and he was a Missouri kid, and so I'm wondering if the kind of the local attention. I don't know that. 50-some years ago. All right, wraps it up on a Monday. Appreciate David. Appreciate Heath. Appreciate all the guests. Appreciate everybody listening for two hours. Going to take 22-hour break, recharge the batteries, be back this time tomorrow with more college football conversation right here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Watches and whiskey. Do I have your attention? <laughs> this is Jonathan Geller at D. Geller & Son Jewelers, and we're celebrating summer and Father's Day with something we've never done before. This Saturday, we'll have Atlanta's biggest and best selection of new and pre-owned Swiss watches under each of our roofs. We're talking fan favorites like Tissot and Omega, showstoppers from Rolex, and it gets better. With help from Old Fourth Distillery, we're providing complimentary whiskey tastings while you browse. It's this Saturday, June 8th, in all three D. Geller & Son showrooms. Learn more at dgeller.com. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. FDIC.